Hi everyone, welcome to the Joywell Conversations. I am your host, Chisara Asamoga, and on this episode of the Joywell Conversations, Juana Udobang, a Lagos-based storyteller and artist working at the intersection of writing, poetry, performance, and film, brings her fire and wisdom to the Joywell. She's the curator of the archival project Culture Diaries, documenting the works of African artists, and you may have seen her recently as one of the hosts of this year's Ake Arts and Book Festival, celebrating artists from all over the continent and diaspora. So, do you have your tea ready? All right, let's take a deep breath and enter into the unapologetic joy zone. I just want to welcome you to the conversation, the joy world conversation. So excited to be here. Oh my God, I am so excited. I I just, (laughs) you know, we share something in common aside from the Nigerian heritage, but also being an artist and a poet specifically, right? And I remembered reading somewhere that your poetry, I think actually it was you who might have written it, interrogates mm. memory, yeah. healing, and reimagination. Yeah. yeah. But I, wa- I want you to tell us what motivated that. Where did that come from? So I think so. Um, when I started writing poems, it was really like a source of catharsis. So it was really about just expressing my own angst as a teenager, mm-hmm. trying to make sense of things that emotions and things were happening to me. I think it was really just vomiting and offloading what, yes. Was, yes. what was going on inside. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think as I started to evolve and grow in, in the poetry, I'd even just become more conscious that I was writing poetry because at the time, to be honest, I didn't think I was writing poems. I just thought I was like writing, writing stuff, (laughs) you know, Um, words on a page, you know, and then the moment I think I, I, I became, I moved into this consciousness that I was writing poetry and I actually started studying it as a practice as well. Um, I realized that, you know, just looking through my work, it was like, I was, going through memories. Everything was like bite-sized memories. I was documenting experiences and memories. Um, and so that's, that's when I realized that, okay, look, my work is very much rooted in memory and remembering the idea of remembering, even if, you know, a lot of the time we try to forget, we force ourselves to forget. And that's why I called that the second album was titled in memory of forgetting, you know, so it was like trying to re- like, it was this force to remember, right. You know, sometimes just trying to move forward in life, you, you give yourself some kind of amnesia. So you, you, it just helps you move forward. Um, so I think that was the moment I realized, okay, look, my work is definitely rooted in memory. Right. Uh, and then of course, you're also, you're trying to heal yourself of experiences too. So that's also part of, for me, the work mm-hmm. is like my own personal journey of healing. Right. And I think this particular, like, last year, um, one of the things that started happening while I was writing the last album, which is Transcendence, Right. I realized like I'm telling all these stories, you know, but there was a point at a, I got to a particular poem. I was going, I, about to write a heartbreak poem uh-huh. and then like something like clicked and I was like, Wana, if you, will you die if you wish for something different for yourself? Wow. Like literally that was what the voice said to me. Wow. And I started writing this poem called Lights, um, Lights On and it was about me manifesting the kind of love I wanted in my life. Right. Yeah. So the idea, so in that moment, I realized that, you know, it wasn't like memory can be a great foundation yes. to actually reimagine mm-hmm. like, life you want. So it's like taking from the past and going into the future. And so I think yes. that's how like the themes of my work have like started to connect. 
Oh my God, I love that. I love, I love the reimagining and not just taking the past and following it to its yeah. almost logical negative conclusion. Mm-hmm. Because Let's- poems, you know, at the end of like, I always say the poems are their prayers, their recipes, yes. their affirmations, you know, there's yes. so many things they can, their, their worship, there are so many things they can be for us. So why not create these poems that help you reimagine the life that you want, that can be your own affirmation in the morning, that can be a part of your manifestation, you know, mantra in the morning for yourself as well. And, and so I think that was what I said. I was like, you know, I want to create an album that, that is honest to and truthful to my experience, but at the same time can say, I want more out of life. And exactly. even though, also hopefully leaving the people that listen to it with something. And I think that's where I, I started, you know, really trying to think a lot about the idea of, moving from surviving to thriving like how do we you know even how we sort of move through the world how do we put out um sort of energy that is about desire as opposed to fear or doing things that are trying to always mitigate fear you know exactly you know like how do you like even just things as little as like your financial life right like when you save money rather than saving money because you think just in case i get into trouble or I get broke, but as opposed to I'm saving because I want to do this thing and this thing and this thing. I have a story because that's literally what I did. I went from sort of saving money out of fear, Mm -hmm. saving money in terms of achieving some of my desires, right? And, And it came from the fear I actually came from, I think a little bit of my upbringing, the religious aspect of my upbringing, right? Like, you know, you're supposed to have save any money that you have that's left over or in excess of what you need, you ought mm. to give to the church. Okay? Mm. And I, I just put that out there. <laughs> there was a fear that if you didn't do that, there's mm-hmm. a hell awaiting you. But mm. meanwhile, you're suffering. Yes. And something my mom would always tell me, that despite my, my knowledge of the word of scripture, yeah. she would say, but what's the point of money if you can't enjoy it? Like, you should be mm-hmm. able to enjoy it. Don't you bless God by enjoying that mm-hmm. thing? And I was like, no, the Bible says this. The Bible says that, you know? You see, like, that's so interesting because I used to feel like mm-hmm. um, I wasn't allowed to want more. Right. Because, like, yeah. So I, my own, like, religious thing was that I remember for a very long time, I felt like I wasn't allowed to have more. So I actually conditioned my taste to want very little. Thank you. Because I was like, it was like, if, if, you know, if I become like, if I have this like appetite for more, then it's like God is going to like take it away or punish right. me or something along right. those lines. So I remember having that, that time as well. That's it. And I had to decolonize my mind <laughs> to say, wait <sighs> a second, I can actually enjoy my life. And the things I have now done yes. could only have happened if I let go of the fear, right? If I let go of that baggage and just said, what's, what's the desire? And how can I yeah. honor the God in me yeah. going forward? Living in fear and living in scarcity is not a life of joy, right? And the thing is that, you know, you put like en- energy is real and you put that energy into the world. Yes. You project that fear on your friends. Yes. You become like a killjoy when you see them having a good time because you, you're like, you're so wasteful. You're so mm. wasteful. And they're having, they're having fun, you know? And after a while, they're just like, I don't want to hang out with you because you're right. going to be asking for the price of everything. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Know? Because like, and that's the thing, like you start projecting your own, your own fears that you've been, that you've, you've taken onto your own life and projecting other people. They're like, mm, 
So if you're, you're broke, don't call me. Oh, blah, right. blah, 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 blah. Because you're clearly very reckless, you know? So, oh, you're spending this on, on a vacation. Right. Have you done this? You know? <laughs> oh, <laughs> chill, relax. Exactly. Chill, relax. Like yeah, I remember relax. when I started moving in that path of freedom. Yeah. I, I started seeing the friends or the people around me who thought mm. like me. And I said, wow, that is not a good way to think. Same here. <laughs> I, was, I remember somebody, it felt like, I was like, was this what I was like? Because this person is annoying. Right. Where's the living in your life? Because right now you're not. Even my best friend says it now. She's like, she's like, Wans, you're so different now, man. I can't believe you're the same person. <laughs> I know that. Yes. <laughs> we are the same. But it's so interesting because, you know, a lot of these things are also very much framed by our experiences and our right. background. Right. Um, but I think people don't realize how much work it takes to get to that place. And even with that, you have to consistently keep working at it because there are so many uncertainties, uncertainties that come. And then you get into that space of anxiety again and you start overthinking everything, you know. And part of it is also not trusting yourself. You're not trusting that you've done the work or you've, you know, you've built the portfolio, you've built the, you've be, built the life to be able to keep getting what it is that you need. You're speaking truth. So you're, you're constantly coming from a place of survival. Yes. That's why I, I feel like survival is so addictive. Yes. It's the state of mind that is so addictive. You know, struggle is so addictive because you're used to everything being hard. Mm. And the idea that actually you've, you've spent some blah, blah, blah years working in an industry or, or building yourself training yourself, doing, <laughs> investing in yourself. Like you don't even trust your own investment in yourself. In yourself. And so a lot of it is it's like doubt. Doubt starts coming in again yes. and then you start doing all these, you start, you know. And so again, we've, we've been talking about money, but it, it applies to relationships. It applies to career. It applies to so many things. You just don't trust yourself enough. Yeah. So sometimes you stay in situations that you shouldn't be in because, you know, <laughs> just, in, I don't want to be by myself just in case nothing happens. Mm. Let me just stay here. For <laughs> so what? You know, this one is better than nothing at all. Exactly, than nothing at all. Because, yeah, because you, you know? doubt your, the, the, the bigness yeah. of yourself, the grandness exactly. of the majesty yeah. of yourself, right? You alone are universe. Absolutely. This is why, like, the mindset, like, is so important. Because <gasps> we've grown, we've done all the work, but, like, our minds have not caught up with where we are. Somebody talk about it. You know? So you now have there's this dissonance mm-hmm. going on within this head. Like this person has done incredible stuff. This person is amazing. They can walk into any room and command the place and get what they want, negotiate what they want and right. get all of that. But this, this one is not there. Not there. Not there yet. Where, where are you? Not yet. It's so yeah, one of the One of the modalities, and I'd be interested to hear how, how you're yeah. also able to do this. One of the ways that I have, try to bridge that is yeah. through um, meditation and yoga in in your own in your own experience your own life how do mm. you stay grounded so that the things that you have learned the wisdom that you have attained you bring to every situation so i think so like you i've started meditating but i meditate through two two activities um swimming and walking so in the past two years, I've been swimming. Yeah. And, so I, and then during quarantine, quarantine, I started walking because I couldn't go to the gym anymore or I couldn't go swimming anymore. So I walk in the morning, walk in the evening. And really, I walk like 5 a.m. in the morning where there's nobody in, on, the, <laughs> on the estate, you know. And so it's been really helpful meditative practice. 
And I think I've had to learn ways to actually slow down, like with beyond, so beyond the meditation. So things as little as not necessarily answering an email immediately, giving myself time to temper. Like, you know, like when you cook a meal, you don't just eat, like you let, you let it, let it marry, let it simmer yes. down, let it marinate, let the flavor settle. Mm. So let, let my emotions settle after. I'm like, um, do you know what? Can I get back to you tomorrow? Yeah. Or let me get back to you in two days. Mm-hmm. I just need my emotions to, to go back to its normal setting, not yes. too high or too low. Yes. So I don't have to make decisions based off of those things. You know, right. I can sit down, I can be like, oh, are you, are you considering this because you're scared or are you considering this because you genuinely want to do this? Right. You know? And then I think another thing as well is just like being able to negotiate my involvement in whatever. That could be a friendship. That could be a, a, jo- a job, mm-hmm. a gig. That could be, mm-hmm. It could be whatever. But just, I think, practicing your power, right? Yes. Like I, I'm trying to practice my power through like negotiating. I love that. Practicing your power. How much, what am I, what am I, what do I want to do about this? How do I want to be involved? Do I want to be involved? What can I be involved in? You know, how is it going to work for me? I think even taking the time to be still before you respond to something is you saying, I'm doing it my own time. That's trusting yourself. Yes. These are part of, part of those things. And, and they allow, and so it allowed me to, because I'm also like you, I'm also very, I'm like, let's move, we move, let's go. What's next? All the time. And there's a new thing really of sitting in the discomfort of not knowing. Again, when you yes. come from a place of a lot of uncertainty, you want to always know what is happening. So even when you aren't um, sure, when you, especially when you aren't sure, right. you want to plan so many things ahead because you just want to feel safe. But I think it's like there's something about having to sit in your uncertainty and just make, right. like, make peace uh, with it. You know, before... I would say my life was a bit like a wash cycle. Get up, see patients, return home, sleep, rinse, and repeat. The routine was simple, lovely even, and steady, predictable, and certain in many respects. Then I disrupted the routine, and I had to get comfortable with uncertainty and instability. Because it is possible to be in an uncertain environment and still be better than just okay. It's a matter of perspective and faith that the foundation that you are on is holding you up. So allow it to. Do me a favor right now. Let your shoulders release and take a deep breath. You're more grounded in yourself than you were just a second ago. Okay, back to the conversation. Yeah, trusting in that moment. And I think it's just anything, we have to think about it as life. Like we want to control so much, but that is life. Like you're going to, you you can't only control what you can. You'll still move. And you'll still shake, you know, and you'll still stumble. You might, you might kick a stone. You might not fall luckily, you know, yes. but there are things that will happen, but you're still there, you know? And so I think it's, yeah, learning to just yeah. sit in the discomfort of not knowing, not knowing what's going on, what's happening, all of those kinds of things. I think that's like really- No, absolutely. For me. It's interesting. This is a lesson that I learned in um, the media training that we did in fellowship. The person who was teaching us about just, you know, Mm -hmm. how to be present on camera and whatnot, um, he had said, remember that anytime you go into any room, you've you've gotten an invitation to come and speak somewhere, give a speech, blah, blah, blah. Whatever it is, remember you own the space. The people are inviting you into that space, but you Mm -hmm. own it. So whatever you need, ask for it. 
if there's a question or a doubt about yeah. the sound, the the visuals, the seating, how many people are asked, mm -hmm. because that is a place where you get to show off and you want to show off in your best light. Yeah. Know what the space is, you know, like find out that information. And ever since then, it's not even just whether it's on camera or I'm speaking people on camera, whatever, yeah. I enter into mm. a room, I take in, I take stock, I say, okay, how can I be present here? Because without it, I, it's just, I'd fall apart without it. Yeah, yes. like find your, find your comfort yes. within whatever it is that you have once you enter. Like, how Thank am I going to make myself comfortable within the next 30 seconds you. when I walk into this room? You know, whether that is catching a smiley face, Thank <laughs> you. sitting in it's, a comfortable chair. Ask for the right chair. <laughs> you know what I mean? Asking a few questions, what are we doing? Yeah, what are we talking? Like, whatever it is, like, exercise your power in that moment. Exactly. You had, I don't remember where I um, heard mm -hmm. you perform this. Okay. But you had said, uh, this is in one of your poems. I'm going to read out okay. one of okay. your lines, okay. if you don't mind. Well, please go ahead. Because, you know, like I said, poetry, Matt. The women in our family became masterful at swallowing pain yeah. and chose to keep smiling photographs instead. Yeah. I wish they had known that neither their piety nor portrait could save a family. Yeah. And that's from a poem called um, Family Portrait. Beautiful, because I think we all have, at least the Nigerians I know. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> we all have one picture. With the wall. Daddy, the mommy, wall. everybody. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. At all ages. Mm -hmm. and all types of so as soon as you said, I said, I understand completely. <laughs> but thank you for saying yeah. it anyway. Uh, thank you. And, and my question, I mean, I want you to talk a, a yeah. little bit about, about that. But yeah. so black women, or let me say women of African descent, yeah. regardless of whether, where you are in the diaspora. Yeah. We, we have our traumas. We aren't always able to heal mm -hmm. without... Um, some level of justice. I think, uh, mm -hmm. I think you've said that. Yeah. And I want women to know that we're not second in the world just mm -hmm. because of this myth that tells us we were created second. Yeah. Right. Like we weren't the afterthought. Mm -hmm. We were also first, like we're the creators. We're the incubators of humankind. We give birth to human beings without us. There is no this. Mm -hmm. This doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, so I'm interested in, in sort of when you're talking about swallowing pain and, mm -hmm. and being second rather than being first, just sharing some thoughts you have about that and how, and how we can continue to overcome that, mm -hmm. that second class mentality. I think one of those things for me is like dispelling and just getting rid of this burden of shame because I feel like we, we, beyond just being second, we also bear this burden of everybody's shame and this responsibility to be perfect and for perfection. And I really, I'm just like, can we just like throw it in the bin, like throw it in the trash? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, like my mom always says, you can't shame the already shameless. Mm. You know, so Woo! like if, if, if nobody, if they know everything about you, they're not, there's nothing they have to use against you anyway. So I think like, just, I think we, you have to, we have to exercise the right to be ourselves. Yes. yes. Be our full self. I think that for me, like that's part of it. And I say, because 
I think when I was younger, I used to have this I, grand ideas of like, we have to change the world by doing this and by doing this and by doing all these things. And I think the older I'm getting, I'm realizing that like these changes are you, like you have to, like you have to do the work. It's so, and, and I think it, it manifests itself in everything else. We always want to save everybody else, but ourselves. But ourselves. Like you, and I, and I, and I, as much as people say, oh, we're in a selfish generation now, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, we gotta, you have to do the work for yourself. Right. Everybody the hardest work ever. Yes. yes. It's the hardest work ever. Like we spend so much time. So even part of this, this um, being second is also, we now need to um, feel like we need to be useful to be seen as important. Mm. So we have to prove our usefulness. Ugh. I'm really like, I'm re- I think the more introspective I'm getting, I'm just like, the work has to be done with like yourself yeah. internally. That internal work is hard. Yes, it is. It is. It's hard. You know, it's saying I'm messy, you know, but like this is it. But I'm working. It's not even just stewing in the messiness, but I'm doing the work. I'm right. doing the work to dig myself out of this. Right. You know, I want, I want to, I, yeah, like, like how, I mean, someone was telling me, so like, there's a question, like, how do you practice freedom today? Mm. And you have to actively practice your freedom. Thank you. And that's why I said in the line, the poem, it says, you know, I wish they neither, neither, neither their piety nor portraits could save the family. Because we even, even in terms of how women sexually express themselves, they police themselves. Yes. Because they've told you that this is the thing that is going to get you all the things that you want. So you're going to pretend as though you are some kind of a different kind of human being. And after all of that, nothing happens. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm just real, real since you brought it up. We've been lied to. We were of lied. <laughs> of course, they lied. They li- all they of lied. them lied. All lied. All lied. Do you understand? I, you know? So much so that when I realized the lie, and I was too old once I realized the lie, I wanted to curse everyone to whatever hell exists. <laughs> I said, no, like, no, why no, didn't you guys tell? Why didn't you guys tell us this? this? We, we why didn't you tell us the truth, honestly? And and so I, I, I happily speak out about the truth of all of this, as opposed yeah. to covering it in shame or secrecy or just plain up lying about it. I, this is the funny part. I've had friends and relatives, all of the Nigerian yeah. persuasion, who, shortly after they were married, <laughs> revealed unto me, hey, no, we had mm-hmm. continued to get along before. And I was like, of course. what you people keep saying? <laughs> that God's will just say God. hell. Of course, you know, we have been, you know, is there, we are, is there sick? We had uh, like, hmm, story, story. Is that the story? Is that exactly? Of course. <laughs> when what really is, is, a, is what the real thing should be is about you being able to own your experience yes. and be an active participant in that experience. Yeah. And it's even moving to a different conversation. So, you know, for me, it's like we need to, we need to be in a space where we are comfortable to own our experiences and, and then we can now be, be active, actively part of those experiences as opposed to feeling like something is being done to us. Done to us, exactly. ourselves to somebody. Right. Because again, it's this thing where there is no sense of ownership, like emotional ownership, physical mm-hmm. ownership or sexual ownership of yourself. So everything is a constant performance to fit into what you've been told that you need to be or do. 
we, we all know what it's like to have that pressure to perform, whether it's in the bedroom or the boardroom, in the house, on the playground, especially for us women, especially for That's us That's why we're women. so exhausted half the time, because you spend half your energy performing. Thank you. The first time I really understood that I've been performing in my life, yeah, when I should be just living like my real life, mm-hmm. was when I started doing more, I was more purposeful in my theater training. Yeah. And having to get on the stage and to play these roles. You can't mm. play these roles. You can't perform these roles. Like, if mm-hmm. you want to do it well, you don't yes. perform the roles. Yeah. You live the roles. You live the role, you embody the role. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how are you going to live on stage but not live in your real life? Life. Come on now. Like that, because you're not on stage all day, all night. But many of us are constantly on stage. Yes. <laughs> Day in, day out. For me, like one of the things is, you know, how do we move from being second is, you know, mm-hmm. is, is, is this moving this idea of shame, expectate, burden yeah. of expectations, all of that. I think just throw it all in the bin. And yeah. it's hard. And I, and I keep saying it sounds simple when you say it, but it's hard in practice, but you have to just practice it. Yeah. You just do it. You, know? you have to practice. It. I, have, I have friends, I have, I've had situations where I, I do something and people say, oh my God, you're just so like, so carefree. So I wish I could do that. I said, why can't you? Who is holding you? And they're just looking at me like, I don't, I said, don't worry, it's a journey, you'll get there. <laughs> you know, I, just to let you know, there's nobody holding you. Nobody. Right. Holding you. Can you imagine somebody's expecting you to say or to give them that line like, oh, you know, yeah. it'll be okay. You know, yeah, like, like oh, no. the world is really that bad. No, you know? you're like, nobody's like, you think, like, it's something that something's as little as like, just saying, oh, I'm going, I'm traveling somewhere. Like, oh, yeah. you're just so lucky. Just, I said, you know that you can decide to wake up tomorrow and go where you want to go, right? Like, <laughs> not that bad. <laughs> exactly. You like, can say yes to yeah, you know, you can say, yeah, like, oh, ah, you wore a swimming, you wore swimming trunks. Ah, you saw your picture on the beach with the swimsuits. Okay. Do you want me to wear a jalabia or a boo-boo? <laughs> <on the beach?" laughs> you know, it's like, oh, you are so brave. I was like, you know, it's the beach, right? I can't you wear, like, I can't, like, I can't wear a maxi dress in the water. So, and I think sometimes when I say it that way, they see the people see the sheer ridiculousness of all these weird things yes. that they've just, you know, they just burden themselves with. Like, I feel like, you know, again, back to joy, like yes. part of living this life of joy is you have to unburden yourself. Yes, exactly. Every expectation. Like even, even my needs have become so much simpler. Right. My desires have become so much simpler. It doesn't feel so complicated anymore. Right. You know, like, I'm like, yeah, I want to have lots of money, but it's to serve the life that I want. Thank you. Know? you. Like, I want, I want love that is, you know, that's effortless. Yes, I right. know the relationship is complicated, but right. I want like openness where we can both be vulnerable enough to really articulate how we're feeling so that we can always move, move beyond wherever it is that we are. I want friendships that just give me joy and when you need to be hold space for someone, you have the, you know, the emotional intelligence to know that, oh, I need to hold space for this person. They can't be there for me in the way that I want right now. What, it's just for me, it's like, what are, the, what are the simple tools that I need to be able to live this very simple life? Mm-hmm. For me, joy is about enjoyment. I need to see my ministry is enjoyment. Like, oh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Like, don't, like nothing. It doesn't have to always be. 
life is hard and there's always going to be hard bits. Right. But it doesn't have to be the totality of the journey. Yes. What a horrible journey to have like that. We can enjoy stuff. Yeah, we can. (laughs) So Juana and I got to talking about finding joy in uncertainty and shared a story about how recently she and a group of friends were having some difficulty finding a solution to a problem that they were encountering with one of their projects. After some time, they decided to take a break and shoot the breeze. Three hours and a whole lot of laughs later, the solution made itself apparent organically and they were able to finish the project. Moral of the story, if the solution isn't coming, step back for a moment or two. Have some fun. It'll show up. In a way, their being in the dark and trying to find a solution reminded me of an incident that happened back in college. Take a listen. There was a blackout on campus, I think on our side of the campus. Mm. And where we lived was like an apartment complex on campus. You know, it had a kitchen, a bedroom, mm-hmm. like, you know, you felt like you were a grown up, you know, 17, 18 years old or 19 years That's old. Little like, mini adults. <laughs> yes, many adults. We thought we were like everything. So, um, so this blackout happens and we live on a floor with maybe, maybe there's 10 or 11 apartments on each floor. Yeah. And you might see people, but you don't really talk to them. That night, there were friendships that were made that still last to this day. We found candles and flashlights. Yeah. Sat around started talking until we could figure out what's what. And in that moment of, maybe it wasn't total despair, but it was like, yeah. okay, we need the light coming back on because we need to mm-hmm. eat or whatever. We started singing, started joking, talking about like, you know, yeah. where we came from and who we are. And you, so you started to understand people better. It was like, mm-hmm. wow, this is, this is community born out of this crazy experience. And I think it's that thing that you spoke about, about being present. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have, there's no way that you're going to live a life of joy without being present. Thank you. Yeah. What are some of the projects that you're working on now? Um, so at the moment I'm working on like a, my first collection of poetry. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing I'm doing. And that's what I'm working on right now. Um, and what else, what else, what else? The Corona, the Rona has like altered everything. Uh, earlier in the year, I was supposed to have like an, an, an installation, um, a poetry installation in a gallery. So it was going to be called Dirty Laundry as well. Like same title as my, as my first album. Right, as your first um, one. But, but literally it was the weekend of like where the lockdown started. And so I had to we had to like take it off. This year I'm focused on writing about artists. So artist profiles. Okay. So that's really important to me. And reason that's particularly important to me right now is I found that when I would read, I, I love art and I love reading about artists because I'm one myself, but I right, found that right. specifically black artists and even African artists. Um, but yeah, actually I want to say African, black artists will stop, not just African artists. Right. When you read, when you read things that are written about them, it's purely always focused on their background life story yes their trauma hardships and trauma yes i'm like i'm like i think that i was like i think we kind of deserve like our craft to be talked about the materials that we use to create and talk about our philosophies in the work like everything does not have to be a post-colonial narrative on blah 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 blah. (laughs) you know (laughs) you know you know 
we're not always post-colonizing everything. <laughs> so for me, it was just like, I want to, I want to be able to write about artists and write about their work, the tenderness and their work, the materials they use, you know, you know, whether it's the hardness or just the technique in, in, in the ways in which they work, um, the craft in their books, when they write, when they write novels, um, you know, yeah, those kinds of things. I, I want to look that. yeah. I want to document people like us. I think I may not have, I, I want to archive people like us. And so I think, I think when I think about it, all of my work is really about telling our stories. And that's why I say yes. I'm a storyteller. So, you know, yeah. I want to archive our work artists um, as the zeitgeist, you know, doing incredible things in this time um, that people after us can, they can type into YouTube and watch, watch one hour long videos or read articles about artists, you know, who lived in our time. As opposed yeah. to, we have to go to like some German museum in the library, <laughs> in the back back of the library. So now go and find in the rare collection. And then, you know, exactly. And then in like 20 years, they will now say, oh, this was the first black person. I was like, no, no, been doing this not. since. But you. it's not well documented, or even the documenting is not accessible. Right, um, exactly. Yeah. The documenting, I mean, the when I was in Nigeria, 2015, I think it was. Yeah. I went to the University of Nsukka, the, the library mm -hmm. there, because I was doing yeah. research on the Biafra War. Because mm -hmm. having grown up here, like we yeah. hear about it differently than maybe if mm -hmm. I had grown up in Nigeria. Nigeria yeah. And so I was there. And, you know, the, the librarian there was so excited that I wanted to see, like, whatever they had. And I was like, yes, please just show me. So she takes me, she takes me down this long, um, hallway on like the second or third floor yeah. and then to the shelf and literally it was the only shelf that and yeah. Enugu has more more archives than yeah. um, university mm -hmm. does yeah um at least in the library of just binders and binders of newspaper clippings and things that people had written I thought I was in heaven but I also noticed that the, the, the technology that might be existing mm -hmm. in the United States to preserve yeah. some of these to preserve, Yeah, so both the scanning and yeah, all of that, yeah. No. So you have, to wear, you have to wear gloves, right? You have to wear gloves too. Yes, you have to wear gloves. You didn't have to wear gloves you in the library. I was shocked, I was like, wait, oh, how do I do this? Hey, ah. <laughs> you know, but like, and I, so I took as many pictures as I could. Pictures, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. You know, just two. But it was it just when you were speaking about documenting, like, mm. you know, we, we didn't have those things, or that was not our mode of documenting. Yes, yes, exactly. And now it is. We need to document the heck out of everything. Yeah, everything, right? everything. We like, exist. I'm, I'm like interested in even like, you know, everyday people's lives, like how people's experiences, how yes. they've survived things, how they've lived things. You know, and yes, and telling, being able to tell those stories, I think is very necessary. Right. We have now reached the lightning round of our Ooh. conversation, which means <laughs> we're somewhat. This always a scary bit for me because I'm always like I have to sit down and think, think through. I'm just like, oh god, my lightning! Whoa, it's like <laughs> on a game show. <laughs> exactly, I know, right? All right, totally low key, <laughs> uh, no pressure. You've got this. <laughs> Wana has got this, okay? <laughs> All right. Top three influential people in your life. Artists. They could be literary artists, performing artists, but artists. Mm. Oh, my goodness. 
Ooh. Oh, I thought I was starting off easy. <laughs> this is so hard. <laughs> this is so hard. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll actually mention my friend who is an artist I love, Kisilo um, Kweshonuga. Um, we're super close friends. Like She's one of my best friends, and she's an incredible, incredible performer and writer, so she'll be one of them. Okay, um, good. Yes. Um, I'm trying to... Wait, what am I thinking? This is weird, because I know that I was reading... I'm trying to... <laughs> <laughs> She can be one, two, and three. <laughs> She's one. Let me see. Oh, two and three. I'm just, oh, um, there's a visual artist I really love. Um, mm -hmm. She's a Nigerian artist. Her name is Pedro Alassiche. Oh. Uh, yes. And she just creates these fantastical worlds with her art. Okay. So, I have to yeah. check her out. Is she on Instagram? Yeah. She is on Instagram. She's on just, I will send you links to Pedro's work. Okay, excellent. So yes, visual artist Pedro Latiche is somebody who I, whose work I love and adore so much. It's just, ooh, it just it gives me chills. Um, so we have Tito, we have Pedro. Um, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm still a Jill Scott groupie, so, you know. No, come on. I, like, I love her. Like, you know, Jill, Jilly from Billy does it for me with my with music. Like, I can't. I love know. her. And to be honest, right? So when I did my first album, because I listened to so much Jill Scott, I was almost oh. sounding like her. <laughs> my that favorite word almost sounded like her. Like, you know, my accent was like almost American-ish. So people were like, why, why do you sound, you remind me of Jill Scott. I said, please, please, please stop it. <laughs> so yeah. I love yeah. that. Yeah, music. I, I love, love that. Favorite poet. Ooh. This is a hard one. Like, yeah. we, don't, we don't really have favorite poets. I know, right? No, I know. I, I know. You know, you know I, okay, so this is going to be really cliche, but I really still love, like, Maya Angelou. Mm -hmm. and, I, and the reason I always mention it is because I think for a very long time, I didn't think, like, my poetry, my poems were, were poetic enough. Yeah. Speak on you it. You know? And yeah. I think, like, reading Maya Angelou's work, both poetry and just her memoirs and just there was the there was an ease that made me mm. feel like I'd found the area that I yes. you know where I yeah Ooh. yeah so yeah I, I still love her yeah yes. I, I feel like the cliched answer but it's she's somebody that made me feel comfortable in in just right. being yeah like her work made me comfortable in being and thank you for sharing that because yeah Nikki Giovanni is like that for me yes there was a simplicity to yeah or the way that she wrote resonated with me i was like oh wait so what i write is actually poetry yeah exactly like you're just like oh so i'm like you know i'm not yeah because you if you don't fit into a certain box then you feel like look maybe i'm not good enough or i'm not this or that but it's like she makes you feel like look girl you're okay you're good yes because i don't okay. sound like walt whitman <laughs> <laughs> you know another person as well though i have to okay i have to add this watson shire okay. That that she oh, that, that book destroyed my life in the poetry community, especially like even in Nigeria. I don't know if they yes. say this in like the U.S. or the U.K. But yes. Nigeria, we always we always say there was the pre Wasan pre Wasan and post Wasan. Post, you know, <laughs> many people belong to post Wasan, you know, because I think she was somebody who, again, like her work was it was heavy and it was imbued with so much, but it was conveyed so. So, oh, I was I like, I, I do like do this simple. 
I feel like yes. simply is, is underrating what it is that she was creating. Thank you. Know? you. Exactly. Yeah. Favorite moment of the day. Favorite moment of the day. I like cooking. So when I'm cooking, it's like, it's a happy moment for me. Oh, because the next question is, what's your favorite dish? Oh, my favorite thing to cook is a curry. Anything that has coconut milk inside it, I love to cook. Okay, I, I am 100% there with you. I just made yeah. the bomb assist. I don't even know if that's a word. Lentil we, curry. Words, yeah. And with coconut milk, and I said... Oh, I feel like, I said like coconut milk is a game changer for everything. Once you just have, first of all, once you have your base of like ginger, onions, garlic, and a little... Onion and garlic. You just have that. If you want, if you're vegan, you use your chickpeas and you use your kidney beans. Or, you know, I even like what I made today, I used pumpkin, a lot of pumpkin. I've been, I've been into um, what they call it lately, um, butternut squash as well. Yes! You know, girl. And then just top that sucker up with some coconut milk. You see me right now, right? <laughs> Travel spot you would recommend without hesitation. Cartagena, Colombia. What? Tell yeah. me why. Cartagena reminded me, I, it's the only place I've been to that reminds me of Lagos. It's the really? only place. Yes. I literally felt like I was home. Oh, yeah, I that know. was honestly how I felt. I was just like, I feel like I was like, I feel like I'm home. People that have been to Colombia, they're like, oh, the food is not nice. I was like, where did you go? They they like they went to Bogota. I'm like, I haven't been to Bogota, so I don't know what the food is like. But in Cartagena, the food reminded me of Nigeria. Wow. So the rice and beans, the yuca. I was even like, I was like, you guys even use cassava and cocoya more than we do. <laughs> and I think I loved that was also like even the freedom in their bodies. So People were always in like tank top, like tank tops or like, you know, bikini exactly. tops that sports all the time. What's your idea of an adventure since you like adventure? I, I mean, I've done like waterfalls, but I would like like a whole, maybe like two days of just water activities. Yes, like snorkeling, diving, uh, <laughs> being at waterfalls, all of that. Like, yes. <laughs> I like hiking as well, to be honest. So yeah, as long as the weather is good. Like with hiking, yes. like I don't want like it too hot and I don't want it too cold either. I'm laughing because I'm 100% with you. I love yeah. a good hike, but no, we mm -hmm. need to have the right temperature, temperature. conditions. Yeah, that temperature is key. Mm. Okay, worst piece of advice you've ever gotten? Listen, there's so many. <laughs> I'm trying to think. There's so many. I'm trying to think of I've even one that makes sense. Um, yeah, I think the one, the thing of like, you know, find something that you love to do and you'll never work a day in your life. Like, I think it's just such a useless piece of advice because you will work. Everything is going to be work. Even your joy, like claiming your joy is work. Yeah, it's work. <laughs> it's like it's painful excavation, but it's work. And I think that it sets people up for this romanticization of, of careers and, and like things they want to do with their lives. Right. And so as a result, when things aren't working, people start having like existential crises and feeling as though I've made the wrong decision. I'm not doing the right thing because I've been told that if I follow this thing that I love, my life is going to be perfect. <laughs> and, and what is it? It's not. No. <laughs> There's no but life that's perfect. Yeah, I think that's definitely one like piece of a bit useless advice. How do you live joy well? I, so I try to spend time with, I think the energy around me is very integral to that. 
So my relate my friendships are very much joy filled. Um, and then, as I said, <clears throat> doing things I enjoy. So cooking, I like cooking. So cooking for me isn't just about cooking. It's like an act of nurturing. And so that's what cooking is for me. And I think I inherited that from my mother. There, I love like the best. Well, the best feeling for me is to just watch people eat my food. And you know when they're eating and they're relishing, that is like a high. I'm like, you like it, right? You like it, right? It's good, right? <laughs> I know what I'm doing, right? Like, you know? <laughs> I actually still have this video. Not two weeks ago, my brother came over with his family. They were having some repairs in their repair work done in their house. So they came uh -huh. here and I made like, cause I, I've been trying to make um, like flatbreads. So this was my third wow. try. So I've been, I'm now like a pro. So I made the flat. He was just like, and he was just like, mom, he was like, ah, ah. He was like, what's going on? You know? So I made flat breads and I had like this pumpkin um, butternut squash soup. You know, I, I made exactly like, I used some coconut milk, then I blitz, I did a blitz. So it was like a nice yes. smooth. Yes. yes. It was like butternut squash and carrots. Then I made like stir fried vegetables as well. And then I grilled some turkey. So Can I you actually, come over? <laughs> Girl, don't worry. I'm going to see you next year. <laughs> right. Right, right. I, know, I literally was filming his reaction, and he was just like, <laughs> like looking at me. That's yeah. real. The whole was like, I was so proud of myself. Like the bread had the pockets in them, you know, like when you have the proper. So it was like I was for me. It was like whoa! I unlocked a new level, you know, of bread making skill. <laughs> so he was like, like ah, this one even has pockets, so I can put my turkey inside. So, you know, he was like ripping the turkey open and putting it in and then licking his fingers and I was just like I was just filming this I was like how do you feel I was like god bless you god bless you it's very nice <laughs> oh I can't even that, but that, oh, that's yeah. a testament so, so th that, those are the things that give me joy just being around people that I genuinely care about with really good energy and watching yeah. them feel free yeah so th those are the ways in which I fill up my joy well and live in my joy yes what would you tell your younger self or those who are listening about living an unapologetic joy-filled life hmm. i would say first of all relax and trust yourself because everything will be i know it sounds so cliche everything is going to be okay it's going to work itself out but start start practicing early to trust yourself mm. Don't minimize yourself. Um, don't shrink. Just be. Start practicing how to just be. Be to be. You don't have to. I think part of your, I don't even want to call it resistance, but just part of your moving forward should be practicing just being yourself, being in your own mm -hmm. space. There is no better, there's no better advice in the world. Yeah. It's something I'm personally continuing, continually trying to practice now right now, like in my mid thirties, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to explain myself anymore. I don't yeah. want to, I don't, yeah, I don't, if I don't feel like taking up space, I don't feel like it. I think my presence is okay. It's enough. I don't yes, need to is. exert anything because I, I, I want to stand and be sure in my power and in my strength. Yes. And I think there's something about that, 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 that emits and oozes through, you know, mm. I, and I think that, authenticity that essence what we represent i think it comes through in how we live in what we do in the actions yeah. that we take so i don't i think for me i'm 
I'm really interested in talking less about and actually just living it and doing it. Wana Udo Bang, the storyteller, the artist, the poet, woman extraordinaire. <laughs> thank you. Oh, thank you for so joining much. me in conversation about I this. I appreciate this. This is this was such a wonderful, refreshing, and just open. I loved it. I loved every bit of it. Woo, y'all. I'll be listening to this episode again and again. I hope you guys were able to glean some of these gems like sitting in your truth, embodying your freedom, and my favorite, practice your power. How are you going to practice your power this week? I have some exciting news. The Joywell will be starting an online and when it's safe to congregate in-person workshops on living an unapologetic joy-filled life. I'm talking stuff you can't get from a book moving from trauma to joy, and using some of the best tools out there for being present, active, and unapologetic in your life. Head to livejoywell.com and sign up for our newsletter so that when it goes live, you'll be one of the first to know. Till next time, be kind to yourself. And remember, love joy, be joy, live joy well. You've been listening to The Joywell Conversations, a podcast of The Joywell. This episode was written by Chisara Asamoga and produced by Adanne Productions. Music is by Kevin McLeod. Subscribe, share, and leave a comment, rating, or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. And for more information about The Joywell, check us out on Instagram at livejoywell or visit us at www.livejoywell.com.